Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's complimentary webinar where, where we will discuss the implications of the U.S. government shutdown with Dr. Lev Brodovsky, Chief Risk Officer of Star Mountain Capital and the editor of the Wall Street Journal's Daily Shot. My name is John Polis, and I'm the Chief Operating and Technology Officer for your webinar host, Star Mountain Capital. We are a specialized asset management firm focused on investing in the U.S. lower middle market. We employ a data-driven approach to provide value-added capital to finance growth initiatives of established small and medium-sized companies. Our collaborative ecosystem is powered by custom-built technology and a deep and experienced team that has been investing in the lower middle market since 2001. Before I hand over the reins to Lev and Matt, I did want to let you know that your audio is muted and will be for the entirety of the presentation. Also, as a disclaimer, I wanted to note that nothing presented in this webinar or webinar materials constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase by Star Mountain interest in any investment product. We have allocated time at the end of the presentation for Q&A. If you have a question, you can type it into the Q&A chat box of your WebEx client. We will try to get as, to as many questions possible before the end, uh, before hour is up. So, Lev, uh, a lot has transpired with the global and with uh, the global and domestic economies, money, politics, et cetera, since our last discussion at the end of September. The most indications are that the U.S. economy remains strong. We are uh, very interested to hear your thoughts regarding what the impact of the government shutdown has had and is having, and what uh, another possible possible shutdown in three weeks might mean. Great. Th thanks, John. Uh, so what I wanted to do is uh, talk about some trends that um, we <clears throat> kind of be monitoring to see, you know, how much of the impact came from the government shutdown. It's important to note that there are multiple macro trends taking place uh, over the last few months making this uh, shutdown uh, the timing just absolutely terrible as far as kind of the the uh, overall economic picture uh, but also for analysts it's, it's a little more difficult to tease out what is uh, the impact of the shutdown versus other trends that are taking place uh, such as the trade dispute with China um, and um, global uh, global slowdown, which is which is basically uh, pushed pushed around the stock market, you know, bringing it close to to a bear market territory uh, last year, uh, and had all sorts of other um, impact on on the economy. But we're going to try to talk about some of the some of the trends and and see where the touch points are for for the for the shutdown. So here's kind of a quick outline. You know, let's let's briefly touch base on on, on what what the what were the disruptions? What what uh, what did people see that that was um, were, were some of the biggest um, changes in the way think people do business um, in in you know since the shutdown started um, and. Then we'll talk about consumer confidence and the impact on consumer confidence, which is dramatic, uh, business sentiment, the stock market, um, the impact on consumption. So, so 
does the uh, the weakness in consumer confidence you know, is that trickling into uh, consumption and retail sales and things of that nature? We'll talk about the labor markets and what we see or don't see in the labor markets. And um, finally, the GDP impact um, of the shutdown and what, what economists are saying, uh, you know, was so far has been the, the impact uh, and then you know, we'll, we'll end it with the, the question of whether this shutdown is over or we're, we're, whether we're going to revisit this in, um, in another couple of weeks. Uh, so let's get going. So let, let's talk about some of the disruptions. Um, the, the chart on the right, and again, we, we just there, there's not much language here. It's just going to be... Uh, uh, charts as, as usual. Uh, so the chart on the left is um, is uh, shows the, uh, the the number of uh, employees who are uh, the percentage of employee uh, government employees who have been calling in sick during the shutdown. As you can see, as the shutdown went on, uh, more and more uh, employees relative to the previous year. Uh, we're calling in sick. Uh, so everybody got the flu. And um, uh, if the shutdown w were to continue further, um, this, this white uh, curve would, would just keep, keep trending higher. Um, and so while people say, oh, you know, we have a lot of the work has been recalled and so on, um, it, without pay, it's very hard to keep people in the workplace, and that started to cause all sorts of disruptions. For those who traveled um, in recent weeks, know that that it's it's been uh, it's been pretty bad, uh, and and which is getting worse. The chart on the right uh, from Goldman Sachs is shows the um, uh, the how payments to government contractors declined uh, pretty much across the board. Uh, dramatically in in the fir in this in January, and uh, and that pr that basically spread throughout um, a number of uh, business sectors and so on who that support the government. Uh, there, there was an impact on small businesses, um, you know, particularly in the D.C. area and and other other areas as well. That um, again, are pretty hard to. Uh, um, other than anecdotally to um, tease out to actually see the impact, but but it's definitely there. So this this is these are just some of the disruptions that we saw, um, you know, during during the, the shutdown. Here's another uh, disruption, which is not obvious, but it's there. Uh, basically, the Treasury uh, um, was uh, accumulating a lot of money. Um, that it, it kept with the Federal Reserve. And, you know, when the year started um, last year, it, it, the reserve, the, the balances uh, that the Treasury kept with the Federal Reserve kept climbing. Uh, and, and at this time, they're supposed to start spending that money, uh, but um, they obviously are not uh, because they're not allowed to, or they weren't allowed to until, until the shutdown ended um, this weekend, um, and by holding a lot of cash with the Fed, uh, what it does is 
it, it sucks out uh, deposits uh, from the private sector, putting them at the Fed, making them unavailable to the broader monetary system, to, to the you know to the private sector, and, and that's a it's a form of tightening, and people don't think about it, but it is a form of monetary tightening. So, with the Treasury keeping a lot of a lot of cash at the Fed. It's basically deposits that normally would sit at the bank, at the banks, um, and and those get sucked out and, and, and get kept at the Fed, and, and it just reduces the private sector deposits. It actually had a strange effect on the uh, Treasury bill markets because with with, with the, the the Treasury sitting on all this cash, they were this, they were not planning to issue as many Treasury bills. And so they create a little bit of a shortage of, of treasury bills. And if the shutdown were to continue, you would have more of a shortage of treasury bills. So it's just one of those subtle things that, that was taking place that people didn't um, often consider. If the shutdown were to continue, and you know there is a possibility that, that it could resume, there's a potential for some serious disruptions or massive disruptions. For example, um, the map on the left uh, shows uh, states that have that are really dependent on the federal government for things like food stamps and uh, child nutrition programs, uh, free free lunch, and so on um, for for low-income families, and um, basically that. Funding for for these programs ends in, in February, which means that if the shutdown were to continue or if it resumes, um, uh, we could have a situation where states aren't unable to fund, um, you know, SNAP with food stamps and, and child nutrition programs in in many parts of the country, which, as you can imagine, is a, is a disaster. Um, you know, it could could have tremendous implications uh, for the country. Um, the chart on the right is is another uh, kind of ticking bomb in case of a of a prolonged shutdown, and that is this is the the profile of tax refunds, and uh, again, a lot of low income families rely on on the you know tax refund. That Comes in early in the year for their purchases. I mean, that's that's where they get a, a, a cash infusion and, and they can make some purchases that they need. And, and while um, the federal government recalled um, the IRS employees to come in and 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 work on tax refunds, that process uh, would have it was increasingly being slowed down by just people not willing to to work for no pay. Um, and and so you could have a disruption in that sector where people are not getting their tax refunds. Again, another significant impact on on the uh, on on the nation and, and and the economy. So let's talk about consumer confidence. Um, the 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 as as the shutdown became more prolonged the uh and and you know people turn the tv on every night and see the even if it didn't impact them personally uh, uh americans got nervous 
Um, and um, in particular, there were they're not as concerned about their current situation. They're they're becoming they were becoming concerned about their future and what's going to happen going forward. Uh, so the two charts on the left side are the uh, University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment uh, Index. The one on the top is the kind of the general index of consumer sentiment. The one on, on the bottom is the expectations index, you know, how people think about uh, their situation going forward. And we, com we got the, a confirmation of, the, of this uh, of this trend in the um, uh, in the conference board consumer sentiment index, which is the middle two charts, uh, and as you can see, the 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 one in the lower middle, um, this this lower middle one, is um, shows consumers are really worried about the future, uh, and it's a it's a that the three-month decline on this, or the two-month decline on this, is uh, is the largest in over a decade. Uh, so uh, Americans got very uneasy about the shutdown, um, and you know it, when when consumer confidence declines, you could have all sorts of uh, knock-on effects uh, going forward that can that could be that could last. Um, the chart in the upper right. Um, shows uh, kind of the latest survey from AP. Um, uh, uh, things in, in in the country heading in the, in the wrong direction, um, and you can see all of a sudden this this change uh, as uh, um, you know more Americans view the, the country heading in the wrong direction. The 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 finally the chart on, in the lower right is. Um, uh, the University of Michigan, uh, when they sent out the survey uh, for consumer consumer confidence, um, they asked if people want to put a comment uh, about news that they've seen in it with regard to government policy. And what you see there is when uh, President Trump got elected, uh, was all these there there was a massive spike in people putting in. Uh, voluntarily putting in comments, positive comments about government policy, and then and another spike uh, took place when when there was the the tax reform took place uh, in at the end of uh, 2017, uh, and and then when the government shutdown started, the the these voluntary comments all of a sudden started to drop off rapidly. So. What this tells you is that even people who were um, very supportive of the federal government, um, you know, early on, um, were, be were becoming nervous uh, during the shutdown. We're also seeing some uh, concerns um, in in the business sector. Um, so if you look at the 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 chart on the left uh, from Moody's Analytics uh, it shows business sentiment uh, dropping off to kind of multi-year lows, 
Uh, and again, you can see that there there were uh, really three three uh, events that knocked down this confidence. Uh, the trade war was obviously the big one, and tariffs and so on, and and the threat of more tariffs. Uh, and then the corresponding uh, slide in stocks, stock prices spooked uh, a lot of businesses uh, and continues to worry a lot of businesses. Uh, and finally, you know, the, the shutdown was, was kind of the, the nail in the coffin here um, as, uh, as a lot of businesses got nervous. The, the chart on the right is uh, the Philadelphia Federal Reserve um, Index of service sector businesses in their region. And this particular one shows new, uh, it's a new orders index. It tracks new orders um, in you know, service sector. So things, things like you know, consulting services and so on. And th this drop was unusually sharp. Um, and um, some believe that a, a lot of this was due to um, things like government contracts, you know, IT contracts and things of that nature that uh, were put on hold or, um, or canceled. And, uh, and, and so new orders index just, just went into contraction territory. Uh, and so that, that's, uh, that really impacted some of the, you know, the service sector uh, across the country. Uh, manufacturing, on the other hand, uh, remains in, in decent shape. I mean, it definitely slowed down due to um, the uh, the trade concerns. Uh, but the manufacturing sector—I don't have a chart here—but the manufacturing se sector remains pretty pretty stable and uh, in, in reasonable shape. Um, so the slowdown took place in in December uh, before the shutdown. But it, it's, it has since stabilized, and, and uh, so so we don't see as much of an impact on the on the manufacturing sector. So I, I get a lot of questions about the stock market and what was the impact of the stock market. And from day to day, you saw some some impact, uh, particularly when. You know, you had the, uh, the efforts uh, by um, different parties in the government uh, to, to end the shutdown failing. You saw some adjustments in the stock market related to that. But it's hard to tease that out. It's hard to say what, what's the, you know, what's the shutdown and what is really uh, the kind of the bigger picture, which is the global slowdown and uh, adjustment in earnings expectations, which, which drove the stock market uh, almost into bear market territory in December. Um, and, and I was, uh, uh, early on, it was, wasn't, wasn't related to the shutdown, although that certainly exacerbated it. So one of the things that uh, impacted, for example, market volatility, was uh, this chart on the left, which is the uh, Economic Pol Policy Uncertainty Index. So you can see that that index spiked um, 
and this spike is really related to the shutdown. Uh, and you can see a similar spike in 2013 when, when we had the last sort of big um, shutdown with a lot of a lot of uncertainties associated with that. That's when um, the uh, Republican um, House basically wanted to defund uh, Obamacare. And that that shutdown uh, created a big spike in in uncertainty, and, and so did this one. Um, and and that had a, an impact on the on the vol on the market volatility. So it kept volatility elevated. In fact, you could see, uh, you know, VIX uh, remaining uh, relatively elevated even as the um, the stock market resumed, uh, sort of started recovering uh, early in the year. There were some specific market moves impacted by the shutdown. Um, and, and here's an example on the right, which is um, companies that provide um, payday, payday loans to bridge people uh, to their paycheck. Uh, th those stocks rallied quite a bit because people saw them getting a lot of business from um, furloughed employees as well as um, uh, contractors. And the situation with contractors is, is, is much worse because a lot of these guys will never recover the, the money they lost, and so they some of them had to go into debt uh, to to get through to get by. Uh, but this is uh, um, you know shows how the, the shutdown basically boosted the payday lenders' stocks. So with all the uh, sharp reduction in the uh, um, consumer sentiment, how did that impact uh, consumption, uh, actual consumption, things like retail sales? And um, it, it's, it's not easy to tell what's going on with that. Um, part of the reason is that the government shutdown itself resulted in less data being released. Uh, so we don't know, for example, what retail sales did in December. So it's kind of hard to compare um, and make some sort of a judgment. But we do have some data. The, the chart on the left is the, uh, what's called the Red Book Same Store Sales. And that, that basically looks at chain stores um, and says, okay, what were, what were the, how were the sales in these same stores? For, uh, how did they change from from a year ago? And you know, basically, going into the, the holidays, uh, going into uh, Christmas season, uh, sales spiked. Uh, people went shopping, and uh, so the uh, Christmas or holiday sales were were quite good, on average which you saw that it, a little bit of a boost in retail stocks. Um, but, you know, it, and it started to slow in January, but it's still pretty robust. There's, uh, it's hard to, to see from this a, a significant impact on, on, on retail sales. Uh, however, the chart on the right uh, shows, uh, it compares basically the official retail sales data with uh, credit card uh, transactions um, index um, year over year. 
and and that definitely says uh, retail sales have slowed in January um, dramatically, potentially. Uh, so it, it, it's it's again it's difficult to say whether people just stopped using credit cards because they got overextended during the holidays, um, which happened before. Uh, but the the decline is, is looks very sharp. So the, so analysts are kind of divided as to what happened to retail sales, be, you know, during during the month. Uh, but there's there's still, there's quite a bit of uncertainty around around this, and um, and some of it is a lot of it is could be related to the um, to to the shutdown. In particular, if you look at the D.C. area, and we'll have a chart on that shortly. The D.C. area spending, uh, anecdotally, uh, slowed quite a bit. So things were already, if, if you look at some uh, high-frequency indicators, things were already uh, kind of in a slowdown mode uh, going into the end of the year. Uh, but then they kind of they worsened as, as we went, got into January. So the the chart on the left shows the University of Michigan survey on um, how people view buying conditions for for cars, and that index started kind of tanking at the beginning of last year, and and just deteriorated uh, going into January. Um, some of it has to do with with just the cycle. Um, People basically, uh, the, the, there was a there was a huge inventory of of cars that that were getting old, and it, kind of 2015 and 2016, people were replenishing that inventory. In 2017, the hurricanes destroyed a lot of cars, and people went out and bought cars. Um, but uh, the cycle is turning where, you know, demand for for new cars has just slowed in general. But people think that a portion of that has to do with the slowdown, with the government shutdown, um, as people, uh, fewer people want to buy cars. The chart on the right um, is a, a broader kind of a macro trend that basically says, Look, if you take into account various surveys and the stock market and, and run a regression against um, consumer spending, uh, you can get a pretty good uh, correlation. You can create an index that, that is effectively a leading index or tracker for uh, personal consumption in the U.S. And as you can see, that index points to a, a sharp reduction in personal consumption. Uh, whether this, this actually occurs remains to be seen, but uh, as you can see, the, this correlation is pretty good, and uh, by all indicators, consumption has slowed, which, which consumption obviously is, is about 70% of, of the GDP growth, and, and so it ha this, this has a, a massive impact on, on economic expansion. So labor markets, um, what do we know about the labor markets? Well, we know that 
as the shutdown progressed, uh, government workers all went out onto uh, job websites and started clicking. Uh, they were looking for work. Uh, some were looking for temporary work. Uh, some were looking for to just change because, you know, there's only so much you can push people, and if, if they're talented, they can they can find work in the private sector, um, and and get away from this madness. So people went looking for for work. Um, you know, anecdotally, we know that uh, the uh, TSA workers. Uh, would call in sick and instead uh, go and drive Uber, um, you know, to make extra money. Or some of them would go and, you know, wait tables, uh, work in restaurants uh, at night. And uh, and that obviously was part of the, this disruption that we saw where the, the fear was that you get TSA workers that are, that are really tired uh, and can't focus during the day. Uh, and given that they a lot, there weren't enough of them to begin with, because a lot of them just called in sick, the one the ones that did come in would would be would would be um, distracted, and you could have some some um, dangerous situations there. But th this is clear evidence that government workers were not looking for work. One thing that uh, economists are talking about these days is that. You know, over a longer term, you could see significant brain drain from the government. Uh, you know, if you're an engineer, a scientist, you know, uh, a technician, or or um, um, you know, medical researcher, um, there's uh, the job market is so good in the private sector that uh, you could say, look, uh, I don't need this nonsense. You know, I'm underpaid to begin with. Uh, and now you're, you're withholding my pay for and create, making you know it, it, the situation uncertain. So I don't have certainty about when I'm going to get paid. Forget this. I'm going to go and work in the private sector. And so you could have a situation where where federal employees are just moving out of uh, those jobs, and, and that could create longer term uh, problems uh, for the federal government, uh, including things like it would make it difficult to recruit people. Because people say, wait a minute, you talk to me about stability problems in the private in the private sector because you know they could have layoffs and so on. But the public sector is scarier. Uh, you know, federal employment is is a scary situation. So I'm not going to do this. Uh, so it, it has it has a potential for long term implications. But so far, so far, we we haven't seen. Um, any impact in the labor markets of, of the shutdown. And again, partially because a lot of these workers, rather than filing unemployment claims, um, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people did file for unemployment claims, but, but a big number, rather than filing for unemployment claims, just went and got uh, jobs, um, a te temporary jobs, such as driving a cab or waiting tables to, to make ends meet. Um, and so what we saw recently, and we'll, we'll see what, what happens, um, you know, uh, later, but what we saw recently is that the uh, initial unemployment claims, so the, this is the applications, initial first-time unemployment claims, um, filing for unemployment, 
dip below 200,000 uh, people, uh, and this is a weekly indicator. And this is the lowest since the 1960s. Um, so obviously, there's the, 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 so far, we haven't seen a visible impact on, on uh, the unemployment. However, if you look at the shutdown in, in 2013, which is a chart on the right, you can see that big spike there uh, in uh, initial jobless claims. So we may yet to, we may yet see some of the impact, but but this labor market is so strong that uh, you know it could easily absorb government workers who want you know some part-time work or or, or just leaving and, and finding other jobs. Uh, so so no issues here, and. Uh, just uh, to add to this, uh, today we saw this um, ADP private non-farm uh, payrolls report, which shows that at least in the private sector, uh, job creation continued at a, at a really healthy pace, created over 200,000 jobs in January uh, in the private sector, and, and it was much higher than expected. Uh, so that the labor market expansion continues. So let's look at the overall GDP impact. And there's a little bit of a debate around what that would be. Um, the the chart on the left shows the. Uh, impact on the GDP, and most economists were basically saying, look, you know, the GDP was around, without the shutdown, it would have been around 2% for for the first quarter. Um, but as the shutdown went on, it, ate, it basically ate into the GDP growth. And you can see the chart on the left uh, from Scotiabank shows how each week would would reduce the um, the first quarter uh, GDP growth. So now that the shutdown is supposedly over, the chart on the le on the right shows uh, this is from Oxford Economics. It shows where we are, um, assuming that um, w this thing is not going to resume. The shutdown is not going to resume. So. Uh, Basically, what Oxford Economics is saying is, look, we, we were forecasting the GDP growth or, or the consensus GDP growth was around 2% without the, without the shutdown. Uh, the shutdown up to now uh, brought it down to 1.8%. So it's, it's definitely a decline considering that we were sort of in Growing at three percent, uh, you know, last year, um, two and a half to three percent. Uh, but it's not a it's not a significant decline in the bigger scheme of things. Uh, so if if the if there's no um, no more shutdown, the government remains open uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, this particular analysis says that um, you know. Yes, we, we took a hit, but it's not uh, it's not that drastic. However, 
if we if we stay shut down through February or the shutdown resumes, uh, you can see the uh, the impact uh, becoming more dramatic. And if if the government is shut down for the first first quarter, uh, you know it's it's even bigger uh, impact. And some people would say if, if the government shut get, stays shut down for much longer, uh, this the GDP growth could turn negative because it you know it just destroy confidence and the consumer and biz the business sector just completely pull back uh, on spending. So uh, th there's this uncertainty associated with, with the situation. But so far, uh, it's not a dramatic impact. Looking a little deeper into this, um, the, the chart on the left shows the um, Goldman Sachs uh, current activity indicator, uh, which is there. It's, it's effectively a um, uh, more of a real-time uh, GDP tracker uh, that allows them to to look at all the different indicators and say wh where is the tracking as far as the GDP. And you can see that uh, you know in January we dipped kind of below two percent. Um, but what's what's more telling is the is the, the chart in the lower left, which is the same, uh, for, was also from Goldman, but it splits the um, the impact on the on their GDP tracker into hard data and soft data. So hard data meaning you know official government data, um, and soft data things like surveys. And you can see the, the kind of the hard data so far remaining uh, relatively stable at least the hard data that we, we, we have, but the soft indicators uh, tumbled. You know, we hit the lowest level since since before the uh, the uh, 2016 elections. And uh, so this, this divergence between soft and hard data has ended, uh, and, and now we're, you know, the soft data crashed on, onto the hard data effectively. Uh, and that that's partially the, the result of the, of the shutdown. And things like uh, uh, you know consumer sentiment that we saw earlier is in that red line. It's built into that red line. The two charts on the right show the economy of the Washington D.C. area. Uh, you know, Washington D.C. is the uh, is the fifth largest uh, metropolitan area in the United States, and uh, so if you know if, if take a if that economy takes a hit which it, which it did uh, somewhat but if you know if things get worse uh it could it could have a, an impact uh, a meaningful impact at the national level and and it's the, the the top chart basically shows that that economy has been growing pretty rapidly the DC area economy and you know, if it slows, it, it could you could see a blip in at the in the national uh, economic growth data. So what one thing is worth pointing out is that a, a an economic squeeze due to due to government uh, federal government uh, uh, basically not spending as much in quarter one. 
Uh, some of that we get back in the second quarter because the government is going to force to spend that um, stuff that didn't spend it. They, they, at least a portion of it they will end up spending in the second quarter. So we get some of that loss in the GDP in the first quarter. We get that in the in the second quarter. Uh, however, the net impact is still negative, and you can see that the the chart on the left uh, from Merrill Lynch shows that yes, you get some some of the um, some of that back, but depending on how long the shutdown was. Um, the um, the net impact, which is the green bar, is still negative, and you're still at net loss to the GDP. And so, if you look at the chart on the right, that is basically the um, forecast by by quarter from Morgan Stanley. Uh, and it says, okay, so we dropped from what, what would have been about two percent in the first quarter to about 1.7%. Some people say 1.8, but it's around that number. And you can see that one of the things that that's missing is is government spending, which is the orange component of the of that bar. Um, this this or, orange component. Um, and you can see some of that is coming back in the second quarter as the government kind of ramps up its spending that that it didn't didn't do in the first quarter, it comes back and spends in the second quarter. However, there's this uh, hangover effect in the third quarter where Morgan Stanley is basically saying the third quarter could look really ugly um, uh, because uh, basically a pullback in consumption. And, uh, you know, it's a kind of a slow knock-on effect bring the third quarter GDP to, to 1%, which is pretty which is pretty low for the U.S. Uh, it's okay for, I think it's pretty reasonable for other countries like in, in Europe and Japan, but it's, it's for the U.S. it's pretty low. Um, and so the overall impact they, they view as, as pretty meaningful of the shutdown combined with things like uh, trade uncertainty and the global slowdown. There are other forecasts. Uh, so um, the the chart on the left shows one particular forecast uh, from macroeconomic advisors uh, that that says, look, this Q1 GDP will be one and a half percent, rather than kind of 1.7, 1.8 that we saw earlier. We're talking one and a half percent, and again, that's pretty low for the United States. I think that's the lowest we've seen. Uh, since 2016, if that's going to be the case. So, so it's a bit of a concern. Um, and the, the chart on the right shows uh, how um, different, different groups change their forecasts for, for the first quarter due to the shutdown. Um, so we have Barclays, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley, all adjusted their their forecasts, uh, some more than others. Um, but um, you know, it's it's a depending on on which which uh, economic group you talk to, the adjustments vary a bit. But a lot of them sort of between. 0.2% of the GDP to to 0.4% of the GDP, 
uh, so far. But obviously, if, if things, if the government uh, resumes its shutdown, uh, all the, these things will just keep moving to the left. So what was the political impact? And, and the political impact uh, here is, uh, is pretty obvious. Uh, so uh, President Trump's approval ratings took a hit, a significant hit. Um, and uh, many people view this as, as the reason why he uh, abruptly ended the shutdown, is that he was seeing this, this, this uh, impact. Um, and... Uh, you know, it's, it's basically how, how bad can it get? And so, you know, it's that 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 was one of the drivers behind the um, the end of the shutdown. This, by the way, is a compilation of all the all the available uh, presidential approval surveys. So finally, uh, is this thing over, right? And uh, you know, people debate, you know, what what you know what will happen next. Um, if you look at what President Trump's been saying, is is basically saying, look, I, I don't think that I'm going to accept whatever uh, you know border deals that that will come out of Congress. And uh, so he, he, the president is pretty skeptical. And if you look at his tweet, um, which is recent, he says, he says, you know, just listen to what I'm saying, saying, you know, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're getting badly hurt by the shutdown with the understanding that in 21 days, if no deal is done, it's off to the races. And what does it mean off to the races? Another shutdown or something else, right? It could be uh, he's going to use emergency powers to find another source of funding for, for the border wall. Uh, we don't know. But there's this enough uncertainty around this where it will keep people uh, on the edge, um, you know, including government workers. So that's basically it. And so maybe we can... Uh, start with uh, some questions. Uh, by the way, I just wanted to uh, say I want to thank uh, all of these different organizations for uh, providing uh, charts uh, for this presentation. Thanks very much, Love. Uh, always appreciate your, your fantastic insight. Um, to your last uh, slide regarding how likely you know, another government shutdown is in three weeks. The the uh, the spending bill that was approved was just a temporary spending bill, so they they do have to go back to the drawing board, correct? Yes, that's right. And so, yeah. uh, you know, in whatever two and a half weeks, um, we're back to uh, square one. Um, and and he, here's kind of where the probabilities uh, are right now. There's uh, people assigning about a 25%, probably one in four, 25% probability that the shutdown will resume. So the, basically, the president says, I'm not signing this, this stuff, and we're going to go back to and shut down the government. So there's about 25% chance of that. Uh, the two other possibilities are 
that uh, one is that there is actually a deal worked out that includes some uh, funding for border fence, you know, border wall or whatever fence. Uh, and and uh, President Trump says, okay, that's enough. That's good enough for me and signs it. And that's the best outcome uh, if we can get that. Uh, and the third, out, third possibility is that uh, basically the president signs some some bill that some funding bill that does not include border funding but includes some sort of border security and then declares a, a a national emergency which he has the right to do and goes out and uh basically takes money out of the pentagon and uses that to uh, to build some a portion of of the wall and and that particular outcome is is an ugly one because um, it's going to create you know more conflict and potentially end up um, going through the court system uh, and being challenged. So so those are the three possibilities. Isn't there also a possibility that there's another short-term funding um, solution put in place? Yeah, it's it's there's definitely possible that they will simply just kick the can down the road. Um, I haven't seen that that possibility. Uh, discussed, but uh, but it's definitely possible that they'll just kick it kick it down the road for another three weeks and just keep keep doing these uh, you know short term uh, resolution funding. Right. What happens to small businesses during the shutdown and their ability to get loans? Yeah, it's uh, it 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 was an issue for certain specific areas, right? So. You know, SBA loans were uh, people couldn't get those, and and so you you saw anecdotally, um, you know, businesses that had were about to close on, you know, property or or needed to buy equipment or needed to do certain things, and they were basically had a, about to receive SBA financing that got delayed, and and so that those things were put on hold. Uh, but there are other businesses in particular related to um, uh, government contractors who, who needed financing to get by, and, and some of them had trouble getting that financing. There were um, farmers uh, who, who had a lot of trouble getting financing for their um, to buy crops, to buy basically buy seed, right? Uh, and... Um, and, and that that was a real problem for for a lot of farmers, and some some farms may be in trouble because of that. Banks were pretty accommodative, but there were a lot of these farmers depended on federal government programs to help them through, and and that that just wasn't there for them. How about banks that work with SBIC funds? Um, SBIC funds. The delay there. A lot of the delay was just getting SBIC funds approved, and and so they created a massive backlog of SBIC funds that are just sitting there in limbo, that haven't. They're basically looking at deals and saying, "Oh, I can finance all these businesses, but can't do it because they haven't got the SBA approvals." Um, and and so that just created a backlog, which which uh, um, you know delayed uh, you know kind of more middle market smaller business uh, 
debt up, loan approvals. But but those I think there's going to be a stream of those coming through as the as the SBA gets back to work, assuming they they're back to work. You know, if they're out of if they're not functioning for for longer, uh, you know, if the government shuts down again, uh, it could create a serious problem for yeah. for a lot of small businesses. I also understand that uh, that the that the government shutdown impacted the ability for students foreign students who went to school uh, here in the United States who graduated in, Dece in December to uh, to have their OPTs processed. So delaying their, their, their employment starts, which impact businesses, obviously. Yes, and, and a lot of them are worried about uh, not being able to to get, to, to be able to stay in this country because right. of that. Right, in general. What, what vulnerabilities uh, on a more macro level did did uh, did this shutdown expose or highlight? So one of the things that um, some people are talking about is, you know, the, the key infrastructure of the United States, in particular airports, right, uh, TSA workers and so on, are exposed to shutdowns. And uh, you could have a situation where, uh, you know, if it goes on for much longer, flights, um, and we already saw that LaGuardia, right? Flights getting getting canceled and delayed, uh, and security gets compromised. Uh, so, so it you know it becomes a serious national problem. Talk about uh, national emergency. That's a, that's a national emergency, and uh, you know, so so there's been a lot of talk about going back to the drawing board and potentially privatizing some government agencies that are vulnerable to uh, to shutdowns that are important and, and privatizing, um, you know, yeah. airport security could, could be one of those. Uh, there, there are others uh, that, that got exposed. For example, the um, uh, Coast Guard, right? Coast Guard uh, didn't get, Coast Guard folks didn't get paid because they, they report to uh, Homeland Security rather than the Pentagon. And so they didn't get paid, and it was a real problem for for a lot of uh, service people in in that sector. And and again, Coast Guard is a, is a critical part of you know U.S. infrastructure and defense. Mm -hmm. So that's another vulnerability that got exposed. And uh, you know, the Daily Shot is a small business. How did that impact you? It did, and, and one of the one of the uh, issues was that. <laughs> Basically, a lot of the government data that you normally rely on to assess the um, the direction of the economy and and where the markets are going to go wasn't available. So we don't know, for example, uh, factory orders in De in December in the United States. We don't know what what were the factory orders, what, you know, capital goods orders, things like that. We don't know a lot of other sort of related data um, um, that that the government never released uh, because of the shutdown. And so for for the Daily Shot, you know, it's important to track uh, real time to track how this data progresses. We had to resort to uh, alternative data sources, uh, less reliable data sources, and, and estimate uh, a lot of these uh, these uh, trends. Hmm, interesting, interesting. Sh uh, shifting gears for a minute. Last year, uh, we did a fantastic session 
uh, regarding volatility. Uh, actually, two sessions on volatility. And uh, the first session that you did was well before all of the volatility started. So it was really a, a real predictor of what was to come. You know, obviously, beginning of the new year, things have calmed down a little. You know, but are we are we done yet? The the key um, data point ahead is going to be the uh, the the trade situation with China. If that gets resolved uh, in in some way, and the risk of additional uh, tariffs goes away. I think the volatility, market volatility, will will ease somewhat. It, it won't be as low as what we saw in, in 2017. That was that was an outlier. It was ridiculously low, but it, it it's not going to be as high as what we saw in, in December or um, you know part of January or or, or last last year in February. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's because a lot of these scary events. Have already materialized. They're out mm -hmm. there, and so the the big uncertainty right now is is trade. Now, with the Federal Reserve today took some of the volatility risk out of the system because the Federal Reserve is now saying openly, "Look, we're on hold. We're in a holding pattern. We're in a risk management pattern. We're not going to raise rates for a while. We're also flexible on balance sheet expansion. We're not." You know, we, we may choose to to uh, stop um, stop uh, rolling off securities from from the balance sheet earlier than than people thought, and and so that calmed down the, the market. And that that took part of that risk out, uh, and so the only key remaining issue, other than another shutdown, remains the the trade with China, because that has a huge huge knock on effect on global growth. And while a lot of U.S. investors are kind of like, ah, oh, you know, who, who cares about the rest of the world? Well, when when you saw what happened with Apple, for example, mm -hmm. or, or Caterpillar or NVIDIA or uh, I can name a bunch, right? They all got hit by global growth and particularly China. And, and so, you know, that, that trade uh, stabilization situation, that, that is really important to, to iron out that volatility if that if that gets solved uh we're we're in good shape the volatility will decline if it doesn't then all bets are off do you have do you have uh um any data that shows how the the tariff war is impacting china relative to how it's impacted us i do um and it, you know, if you look at uh, Chinese data, it, it's been extraordinarily weak as far as, uh, particularly with, with trade. Um, and and it basically says, you know, starting about the middle of last year, it started to deteriorate. And uh, you know, the, uh, Beijing now is in full throttle and trying to uh, put stimulus measures in place to try to rejuvenate growth um, they, they're going to implement uh, what's what's a, similar to LTRO program and it, that the ECB did or, you know trying to incentivize banks to lend especially to smaller businesses and you know to try to to boost the uh, economic growth mm -hmm. uh, but it's a real concern 
another reason why there's more optimism that, that China may be more willing to, uh, to negotiate. Yeah, at the same time, China is optimistic that the U.S. is more willing to negotiate because they saw what happened to the stock market in the U.S., and they know that uh, the Trump administration is very focused on the stock market. Right. And so their view is they have some leverage because if the U.S. doesn't play ball, the stock market will tank again, which, which uh, uh, you know, they, they feel that. So both parties are very incentivized to make, yeah. to make a yeah. deal. Yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see what kind of deal. All right, um, I think we're I think we're up on our hour. Uh, Love again. We appreciate uh, appreciate the uh, the information and insight. It's uh, it's always uh, um, always you know, uh, fantastic to uh, to hear from you. Um, and uh, we'll we'll try to do this again in another in another uh, you know six weeks or or eight weeks and and you know see see uh, see what the future holds. Sounds great. Thanks, John. So uh, uh, everybody, thank you very much for joining us today. If you do have any further questions, please feel free to email them to us at webinars at starmountaincapital.com. Also, if you have any ideas. Uh, regarding future webinar topics, please feel free to send them to us, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll be happy to uh, uh, to consider them. Uh, we do look forward to everybody joining us uh, again in the future. Uh, thanks, everyone, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day.